Hello and welcome back. You're listening to all new episodes of the ACAP Coffee Break with Meg Murray, a podcast from the Association for Community Affiliated Plans. Thanks for listening and Happy New Year. Our guest today is Leanne Burge, the CEO of Community Health Plan of Washington and a longtime ACAP member, as well as our current vice chair. Here's Meg. Well, welcome to the ACAP Coffee Break podcast. We're pleased today to have Leanne Burge with us, who is, um, among many things, uh, the vice chair of the ACAP Board of Directors, as well as the CEO of Community Health Plan of Washington in Seattle. Leanne, welcome. And Thank you. Yes, we're happy to have you here today. And um, this is a chance for our audience to get to know you better and your travels and uh, your path to getting to be where you are today, which I know he's gone through several ACAP plans. You've been very involved in ACAP for many years, which has been a wonderful asset to ACAP. So tell me about just why healthcare? What drew you to healthcare to begin with? Oh, you know, I think I first got involved in healthcare because of the significant impact that it has on people's lives. Um, I actually started out my career as a lawyer and um, was interested in civil rights law. I was particularly interested in constitutional law and in human rights and public interest law. And um, at the time that I got out of law school, it was hard to get a job in constitutional law or civil rights law. And I ended up uh, working at um, the Division of Insurance in the state of Massachusetts and uh, focused on um, a lot of health issues in that capacity. After I worked at the, at the Division of Insurance, I was fortunate to work at Harvard Community Health Plan. Um, that was a unique staff model health plan at the time. It was an early not-for-profit health plan that was based on um, a model that uh, Group Health in the state of Washington had, um, some other you know, innovative pioneers of managed care started out in the uh, late 70s. I'm not sure when they actually started, but I was there in the 80s. And it was a really great opportunity to get involved in um, issues of quality and issues of, uh, of a different way of providing healthcare delivery to people who were uh, really needing it most. We had at the time a Medicaid population and it was just a great opportunity. So I, was, I started out as a lawyer there. I was in a general counsel, but it really fit my desire to work in the public service, public interest in a in an area that was about changing, changing the way um, we uh, provide the most important service, which is healthcare uh, to individuals. And it was really about transformation. So I was really fortunate to, to get started in that, in that business. That was actually the health plan I belonged to when I first got out of college, because uh, I worked in the state house in Massachusetts. And that was my my first experience yeah. of being in an HMO as well. It's a great, it was, it, it, I guess is and was a great plan, although now they've kind of been bought by. Oh, they changed a lot over the years. Yeah. That's actually why I left over the years, but they, you know, became much more of an insurance company, which still an excellent regional health plan uh, by any measure. But when I was there at the very beginning, um, it was much more of a innovative um, new concept of a staff model. And a lot of the work that we did uh, was really cutting edge and that was exciting. And it was so mission driven. Um, Don Berwick was one of the executives and, and early 
um, offices of that organization. So you can imagine the kind of work that was done there. It was really oh, exciting. That I did not know that he was there too. I know a lot of pe great people have come through that plan. Yeah, he was there when I was there, which, you know, he was, he was somebody that was, I really looked up to at the time. And so then how, I guess, what drew, drew, drew you to Community Health Plan of Washington, where you've been now for five years, I think? It's actually four. Um, but yes, Community Health Plan of Washington is actually uh, the perfect place for me because it's the culmination of all of the work that I've been doing my whole career. Um, I really focused on the intersection between the um, funding of healthcare and the insurance side, the coverage, and the delivery system. And, uh, you know, that was the beginning, that's Harvard Community Health Plan, for example, as a staff model, that was that intersection. And that, you know, that when you have the incentives um, aligned, you can really make a difference in how you provide services and care for people. So Community Health Plan of Washington started 27 years ago. It was formed by 20, well, now it's 20 community health centers. It was formed by community health centers in the state of Washington, across the state of Washington. Community health centers really, you know, at the forefront of um, patient-centered care. They were, uh, we were formed specifically to provide services, whole person care services for individuals and communities that previously had been excluded. So the concept of, of that integration between the funding and the, the health coverage and the delivery system is just something that I've always focused on. I think that's really, there's such great opportunity to make a difference and to impact the system and how we provide services and care for people that um, an organization like Community Health Plan of Washington was, was such a, a unique opportunity for me to join and to, and to lead. So it's, it's been such a, an honor. And given the uniqueness of the, the model there, how have you been able to address racial disparities and improving racial equity given the unique structure of the plan? Yeah, this is, this is just so close to my heart. Um, that's another reason that I came here. You know, community health centers have always uh, been focused on health equity. That's kind of the basis of what a community health center does. It's, it's at the heart of everything that we do. And so to have a health plan that's governed by that and formed for that um, very reason is just a perfect uh, match for the focus on health disparities and recognizing that we together as a community can, can make a difference. We can make an impact on, on uh, the lives and well-being of those that have the most um, disadvantage when it comes to social determinants of health and discrimination and racial um, barriers, uh, discrimination and racism. So, uh, you know, we've been very active long before um, I got here, certainly. But um, in the last few years, we've made it a specific focus um, to address um, these disparities and to work together with our community partners uh, to do so. And, it's, and it really requires a total organizational commitment to be as effective as possible. So we're looking at this now from both our um, internal activities as well as the external work that we do. And it, there's, a, there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, you know, so for example, the model of care itself is an important aspect of how we um, improve and advance health equity by having a whole person care model and focusing on social determinants of health as well as um, the more you know, traditional medical needs. That's, that's an important component. Um, and you have to do that obviously 
with providers and community partners that are connected to those individuals themselves who are served. You know, this, this is not a top-down approach. It has to come from, from the communities. What are their needs? We have to understand their needs and we have to be there to help support it, not to uh, think that we know better than, than those in the community. So that's our philosophy. It's a, it's, it really has to be a humble philosophy. We have to have humility to be successful in how we um, really make a difference in advancing health equity. And I can go on and on and on. So I'll let you, I'll pause, I'll stop. So you can no, I was. I was wondering if you could give us an example of something the plan has worked on. I know a lot of our plans are very involved in housing supports and nutrition and things, but what's a good example of what you're talking around, about? Around the social determinants of health. Well, you know, we're trying to um, allocate our resources in such a way that we are as effective as possible in partnership with others. So we don't, take a role that says, you know, we know best. We work very closely, especially with community health centers who already are doing a lot of this work. So many of our community health centers have housing supports. They have um, transitional housing for people who are homeless um, and are coming out of hospitals. So we, we help provide uh, support around that. We work with our care management um, staff. One of the very specific things though, that as a health plan we can do um, in a direct way is connect people with the services that they need. So we've uh, partnered with um, an organization called Unite Us. Uh, they have a platform that has a closed loop referral system that enables us to um, use our staff. We have a, a community services staff of, of social workers, um, care coordinators, navigators, community health workers. Uh, that's those individuals can um, make referrals to our community partners and have a care plan associated with individuals with you know, significant social needs. And it's a closed loop system so, so they can follow and track and know if the services are actually being provided and intervene when they're not being provided. So it's, it's not just you know, giving somebody a phone number and saying, go to it. We work very closely to make sure that the services are actually provided. So that's just one area. We've also partnered on, on a lot of other um, community-based services. Uh, food and transportation. Um, you know, we there's been a number of different programs, and um, in addition to that, we're, we're developing a, a more um, coherent strategy around social determinants of health, looking at um, data, how we can um, collect data in a way that we can then deploy resources as um, effectively as possible to the specific communities. So that's been a big focus for our strategy over the next. So we started that in 2020 and we're going to continue that in 2021. Um, we're again, working with the community health centers to understand how we can together um, provide meaningful support, not just to provide money, but what information and in-kind services do we have access to that together with their um, on the ground um, access to members and other funding sources and you know, partnerships with with other sectors of the community, how can we put this all together? Because it really does take that type of a community effort to be as effective as possible. Um, with the COVID pandemic, certainly the communities uh, really need to come together to address the, um, you know, um, the, especially the vaccine rollout. And um, what is in making sure that certain communities are getting the vaccine um, that might not otherwise get it? So what, what, are you, what is your plan doing to ensure that um, we don't have racial inequities in the vaccine 
roll out? Yeah, oh, I'm very involved in that right now, actually. <clears throat> um, one area that the health plan can be a big um, contributor in the success of a rollout is around the communication. That's something that we have access to information on contact information around our membership. What is the best way to contact them? Text Texting information is, is really what we've been focusing on. And we developed a whole infrastructure actually for communicating with our membership during this COVID crisis that we are able to now leverage for the next phase of, of vaccinations. It's, it's been a great learning experience. We, we use um, our clinical integration system, Arcadia, to um, pull out what the best contact information is and to then use particularly phone numbers um, for texting, which has been really effective. That's We've reached a significant amount of people around testing and other information around what resources we have available. We've been doing that throughout the last six to nine months. Um, so we have a system in place that we can leverage that's I think pretty unique for, um, for the vaccination information. The reality is that right now, uh, like every state, we have more demand than supply. So we're not yet ready to get those communications out because we're already <laughs> having, um, you know, confusion. People don't know, uh, they think that they can get vaccinations, but the reality is the, the, the providers aren't ready. The vaccines aren't here. Um, and the rules that keep changing sadly every day, every week. So it's been very frustrating because people are ready um, to get those communications out and to uh, you know, move as quickly as possible, but the vaccines haven't yet come in the, in the numbers that they need to be here. And there's just a lot of confusion still at the state level. So we're looking forward to better coordination. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking forward to greater funding for some of the additional resources that are needed at the ground level. Um, but again, because we work so closely with the community health centers, they are a critical component for the vaccination rollout. And we stay on top of what their issues are, what their needs are. We try to advocate um, on their behalf, as well as you know, on behalf of the, of the health plan and our members. And it's been wonderful that we have that connection so that we understand what those barriers are and, and seek to, to uh, ameliorate that. Does your health plan have access to a vaccine registry? Well, people are using, um, yeah, there's a statewide vaccine registry that we've used in the past for, for other vaccines, primarily, I think, for pediatric vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure at this point how all the pieces will connect with us, that right now that's what the providers are going to, the providers are going to be using mm -hmm. a registry. So ultimately, hopefully, we'll have the same access mm -hmm. that we have for other types of vaccines. Yeah. Well, we're learning so far at this point in this conversation is being recorded in, um, I guess, late January, is that um, some of the health plans have access to the state registry, so they can tell who's gotten it, but some don't. So that's one of the things. That yeah, we're well, we're not at that point yet, because at this point in time, um, you know, the provider community is struggling so much with, with uh, having the operations in place that they need to have. And what's really the heart of that struggle is they don't know what their vaccine supply is going to look like from one week to the next. And, and that until, until that's settled, it, the health plan can't really um, get involved in, in the communication or it'll just cause even more confusion. Mm -hmm. right. 
We will definitely be tracking on these issues and, and checking in uh, with our plans. So you, you talked about how you got to where you are and, and why you're there. I'm thinking, wanting to know going forward, uh, I know you're a, a big reader and what, what books are inspiring you right now, either professionally or personally during this, this challenging time? I'm glad you asked that question, because as it turns out, I'm not always in the middle of a good book, but today I am, actually. <laughs> I'm reading um, the book, The Warmth of Other Suns. I don't know if, if anybody has read that at your end, but it is a great book. It's, a, it's by Isabel Wilkerson, and she recently did a, um, another book uh, called Cast, and I read about that in a book review, and it made me um, interested in reading her first book, which is The Warmth of, of Other Suns, and this is about the the great migration from the South to the North and West of um, black people who were leaving Jim Crow South um, from the early teens to up until 1970. So this is, it spans all those decades and it follow, it's, it's written in this wonderful narrative that follows um, three families and you get to know the families and it's, she's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and it's just an excellent book and it's, it's written so, it's gripping to, to read these people's stories. And it's, you know, I, I've always known a lot about um, our racial injustice in this country, but I have to say, I've learned so much in the last year that I didn't know. And um, it shouldn't have been that surprising to me, but somehow if you haven't lived it, yourself, you really don't know the extent of the racism in this country. And it is, it is so ingrained and so hardened and such a serious stain on our country that we have to all work towards um, eliminating, dismantling. And, you know, we are committed to being an anti-racist organization. It's, it's a very meaningful commitment. And um, reading this book is inspiring because you, you see the magnitude of the problem and it's, you want to be part of the solution. Great. Well, I, I have definitely read a lot about it and, and would like to read it. So that'll put it higher up on my list. And it's really so, fascinating. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with us about your journey and uh, which is inspiring to me personally and, and your commitment. So I, I appreciate uh, your leadership within ACAP as well as within your plan. So thank you. Thank you, Megan, for all the work that ACAP does. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. You can find Leanne's book recommendation and others on our Goodreads bookshelf. Find the link in the description of this podcast. Our next episode features Haney Abdullal of VNSNY Choice Health Plan in New York, whose staff and members have been hit especially hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's a preview. And, you know, when we're looking at the... Um, the light at the end of the tunnel, right? The vaccine. Again, we want to make sure that people don't lose track of the managed long-term care people and the people who are vul vulnerable in the community. We'll have that and more on the next episode of the ACAP Coffee Break. Don't miss an episode. You can find and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do, give us a shout on Twitter using the hashtag ACAPCoffeeBreak. We'll put you in a drawing for a Starbucks gift card so the next time you tune in, your coffee's on us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.